If you have a Bible with you today, I, w- I want to invite you to find the book of Luke. Find the book of Luke. And we're going to be in chapter 15. Luke is in the second pi- part of your Bible, right? The New Testament. And the New Testament, it starts with the Gospels, the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So find that third book in the New Testament, Luke, and find chapter 15. We're going to be at that in just a minute. And this morning, check this out, it's the 10th the 10th message in a series of messages that we've entitled Encounters. We've done 10, and I think there's going to be 11 and maybe even 12. This series has been really good. It's been really cool because what we've been doing is we've been looking at different encounters that people have had with Jesus, where people, real people, in one way or another, have this physical encounter with the Son of God, okay? And as a reminder of what we've been saying for the last nine weeks here, um, Jesus was a real person, okay? He lived in a real place at a real time in history. These aren't fairy tales, fables. They're not even like epic legends, okay? These are true stories, true events in history about a real person. Now, before we talk about um, the encounter with Jesus that we're going to look at today, that happened about, what, 2,000 years ago? We need to make something very clear. Encounters with Jesus did not end once he left this earth, People are still encountering Jesus today. It might not look exactly the same as it did when Jesus was physically walking this earth, but we can still encounter him. In fact, I believe that today, as we um, encounter him through his word, we, we have that opportunity to encounter him through his word as we study this. And we're going to simply read through this encounter with Jesus, and then we're going to ask ourselves the question, what can we learn from this? All right? So we're going to get started. Uh, we're going to read a few verses from the Word of God. So just out of respect for God's Word, would you stand with me one more time? We're going to read Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 20. Luke starts verse 11 by saying this. To illustrate the point further, all right, we're going to look back here in a second about what that illustrated or what that point is. But to illustrate that point further, Jesus told them this story. He said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About this time... About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to get to know you better. Help us to know your character better. This is a great story that shows us more than we often recognize. So help us to see you in this. We need your words and your direction today. Don't let them just be my words. Those just aren't good enough without you. Speak to us, we pray. 
In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. All right, well, it's Father's Day, and dads are, um, are definitely a special breed, aren't we? Some of us more special than others. And, and now, before I, now, before I get into talking about dads and how they're special, I, I, know, I know some of you are going to have a tough time today on Father's Day because maybe your dad is gone, maybe he's passed, or maybe your dad wasn't there for you and he just wasn't the best role model. Like, I understand that. I, I, I get it. And um, I feel for you and I have compassion for you this morning. But it is Father's Day and I just want to talk about what a father should be and what a father could look like. Um, and dads, there's barely any creature on this earth more interesting than dads. I mean, you see National Geographic and you see these crazy animals, but, but dads be like, yeah. Dads, dads are, yeah. <laughs> All right. See, each dad is a bit different, and it's fun getting to know which kind of dad yours is, right? Your dad could be the embarrassing dad, right? Or maybe your dad is the extra kid dad. Wives, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, I got seven kids, not six, because, yeah. Um, there's also the absent-minded dad. <laughs> or maybe your dad is the no-shame dad. That's not me. And, uh, but no matter what kind of dad, there's many more kinds of dads, right? No matter what kind of dad you have, I hope that you have the type of dad that loves you more than anyone else. And once you know your dad, you know your dad, right? Like, for so many of us, our dad is someone so special that we'll never forget. He taught us so much about life, and he, in large part, is the reason we are who we are today. Many times, this is the scary part, we turn out like our dads. It can be a good thing. It can be a scary thing, depending on which type of dad yours is, right? And, and I feel sorry for my kids because they're just going to be flat out weird. <laughs> but today on Father's Day, we're not going to do the traditional Father's Day talks where we talk about how us guys can be better dads or how everybody else should respect us and show us more honor as dads. We're going to try to get to know our heavenly father a little bit better today. We're going to figure out what our father is like, to see who he is, and to try to learn something from his character. See, the story we're looking at today, many times, it's called the prodigal son, right? You've read that in your Bible, the prodigal son, or the lost son, or even the two sons, because there's two sons in this story. It always has something to do with the sons, but really, I think that this story is more about the father. So today, we're calling our encounter the heart of the father, the father's heart. And since it's Father's Day, we're going to get to know our heavenly father more. So let's get started um, doing this by just looking a little bit closer at this encounter. Okay, do you remember how our passage that we read started? It started with, to illustrate this point further. So what was Jesus illustrating further? We're going to look back just a little bit. See, Jesus had many encounters with this group of people called the Pharisees, a.k.a. the religious leaders. Bum, 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 right? These dudes were like Jesus' nemesis in the Bible, if you read it, pretty much. This story that we read today is part of one of those encounters with them. In this encounter, it starts in verse number 1 of chapter 15. The Pharisees see Jesus hanging out with sinners, 
and unclean people. And they criticize him and they complain how he associates with such awful people. So Jesus decides to try to try to show them why he hangs out with such people by telling them three different stories. We read one of them. I'm going to tell you the other two really quick. So the first story Jesus tells is about a lost sheep. He says, if a man has 100 sheep and he loses one, won't he leave the 99 and go find the one? And when he finds the one, he'll carry it back on his shoulder joyfully and he'll tell everybody, rejoice with me, I have found the lost sheep. Okay, the second story, we, so first one, we had a lost sheep. Second story is a lot like the first, but it's about a lost coin and a woman who has 10 coins, but she loses one of them. And the woman is not content to just hang on to the nine and ignore the one that she lost. She, she cleans, she like scours the whole house until she finds the one, and she's desperate for that one. And when she finds it, she, she, she tells all of her friends, I found it, I found it, rejoice with me, I found the one. Not the nine, the one. And then finally, Jesus comes to the third story, the story that we read earlier about a lost son. The son runs off, becomes poor and homeless, and he finally decides to go back home where his father runs to him, hugs him, and throws a party saying, rejoice with me for my son that was lost is now found. Now remember, in each of these stories, the main character in these stories is not the sheep, the coin, and the son, okay? We think about it like that, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. But the main character in these stories is not those lost things. This story is, trying, is not trying to teach us how to become lost. We could do that pretty well on our own, can't we? We can become lost. We're good at that. Instead, the main character in each of these stories is the shepherd, the woman, and the father who are looking for that thing that was lost. And the shepherd and the woman and the father, they represent God in each of these stories. The main character is God. These stories are trying to teach us something about the heart of the Father, our Heavenly Father, that we tend to wander away from so frequently and so easily. We tend to become lost from Him. So, what is Jesus trying to show us about Himself since He's the main character in these things? Well, we're going to dig a little deeper to find um, some spiritual truth this morning in the third story about the Father and the the Son's. So the story of the father and the sons, it's the longest of the three lost stories, right? The stories of the coin and the sheep, they're like three to five verses in a short little paragraph, while the story that we read is closer to 20 verses long, and it takes up pretty much a whole page in my Bible. It's also the last story of the lost things that he tells of, of the three. And it, it almost seems like short, short, long, like first, second, third. He's kind of like ramping up to his main point. It's definitely the most poignant and obvious picture of what Jesus is trying to teach us. So it's like this progression that we're seeing. And in fact, this progression, it goes from the relationship from one in a hundred, Right? 99 lost, or 99 found sheep, one lost, to, to one in 10, down to one-on-one. It's trying to show us that, that God cares for the one, and no matter what. So let's see what Jesus is trying to show us with the three encounters, and ultimately this one about the father and his son. So the story starts with the younger of two sons asking for his inheritance. Now, in the Jewish culture, in those days, the older son was the one that was blessed, the one that got more. So the older son would have got two-thirds of his father's money when he died, and the younger son would have gotten one-third. And it doesn't sound fair, 
but for this message, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about that, okay? So that's what's going on. Now, though it was perfectly within his rights to ask for his inheritance early, um, it was not a loving thing to do. It was basically saying, you know what, Dad? I wish you were dead. I'd rather have my money than my relationship with you. That's what the young man was saying to his father at this time. But even though his son was being a jack wagon, and I pulled that word out because I know some of you liked it last time I said it, um, instead, of, instead of rebuking his son, the father patiently grants his request. Like, if my son would have been like, Dad, I wish you were dead, give me my money, I would have been like, take off, eh? Like, yeah, right. Like, you're getting any of my money? That's the way you're going to act? But he gives him a third of all the money he has, even though he is still alive, and he could probably use that money. He gives it away. This right here shows us something about the Father in this story. Shows us something about the heaven, our Heavenly Father of, as well. This is a picture of how God lets people go their own way. Did anybody else just have a song pop in their head? You can go your own way. Okay, sorry. Um, God, doesn't, God doesn't force anyone to do anything, right? He doesn't force people to love and to follow him. Because you guess what? Forced love? That's not love at all, is it? God doesn't force people to do anything. Forced love is not love. He allows people to walk away from him, to sin, even to their own destruction, he has, to, he has to do this if any of our choices are to be real. Otherwise, they're not choices at all if they're forced. So, so why does God allow murder, war, abuse? Because of this right here. He has to give people free will. It, it stinks. We wish that God would just wipe those people off the face of the earth and he wouldn't allow people to make those decisions. But he has to if he's going to give free will, if he's going to be God. So, okay, back on track. In verse 13, the son moves away from his father. We are told that he moves to a distant land to start living his own life. Now, this son, in our story today, he moved away from the father physically. But when we move away from our heavenly father, we do it in a spiritual sense because you can't run from a God that is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at the same time, which is a little bit scary to think about, like God is everywhere all the time, seeing everything we do all the time, everything we're thinking. But at the same time, it's good to know because when we do walk away from him spiritually now, we can come back to him anytime, any place, anywhere, at any moment, right? Because he's always with us. Okay, so then in verse 14, we see that the son ends up blowing on his money on wild, sinful living. I'll let you imagine what's happening there. And then he finds himself with nothing, nothing. He's feeding pigs, which are unclean to touch or eat according to the Jewish culture. So if this is what he's doing, he's touching pigs and feeding pigs, you know it's really, really bad because this is not a cool thing for a Jewish, Jewish man to be doing. He is completely hopeless. He is completely alone. And I want to sit on this for just a moment. Do you think that this son thought to himself, at the very beginning of this story. You know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my future inheritance, my future fortune, and I'm going to go blow it on a bunch of crap, and then I'm going to be poor and miserable the rest, rest of my life. I think that sounds like a good plan. Do you think that's what was going on? I doubt it. Okay, probably not. He obviously thought to himself, you know what? I'm going to take my money. I'm going to go start a life for my own. I'm going to invest my money. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to become successful, and I'm going to live happily ever after. But he got lost on his way. 
like so many times we do. He got caught up in the things that were, were not good for him. He thought they were going to be good for him because they were fun at first, right? But soon he realized this actually isn't too much fun after all. Listen to this. Sin always promises more than it gives. It takes you further than you wanted to go. And it leaves you worse off than you were before. Sin promises freedom, but it brings slavery. And this younger son knows this all too well. This is what is happening to him right now. How many of you have you know what this is talking about? You maybe found yourself in a spot where you thought, I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm having a good time. And all of a sudden, it turns into addiction. Or you get busted. Or you get grounded. Or you get locked up. Or you realize all of a sudden I'm stuck in an impossible, terrible, unhealthy situation. You thought this was going to be good, but it turned out to be really really bad. This is the situation the lost son is in. He thought it was going to be good, thought it was going to be awesome to walk away from his dad's shadow and to live on his own terms, but that is not how this played out. Then in verse 17, it says he comes to his senses. Finally, he realizes that his father's servants are better off than he is. The son The heir to the family business, the one who is supposed to be blessed and moving on up, is down in the dumps below the servants. Technically, he's non-existent in his father's life right now. And this realization, the son comes to here, it it comes to most people at some point in their life when they are going down a destructive path. It's that moment where you think to yourself, what the heck am I doing what, am I, what is going on right now? Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I living like this? What, what was I thinking? I think most of us have been there at some point. And, and I totally hate this. Because as humans, we're not very smart when it comes to choosing the better path. We're pretty bad at it a lot of the time, actually. I mean, think about it. How much, how much better would it be if we actually listened to the advice that we were given or we learned from other people's mistakes and we never got into those awful situations in the first place? But we don't. We're dumb. <laughs> I don't know why. We're like, you know what? That's not going to happen to me. That's not what's going on here. I'm strong enough not to fall into that trap. And pretty soon, we're at rock, rock bottom begging someone to come and save us from the stupid things that we've decided to do. And even though it's a terrible place to be, most of the time, that's what it takes for us to realize that apart from the Heavenly Father, there is no hope. We are lost. So now the son is at rock bottom and he devises a plan to go back to his father and ask to become one of his servants, just a servant, not a son anymore, because he doesn't see himself worthy of being a son anymore. His pride is gone. He sees his sin is not the right path for him. He's ready to repent, to ask forgiveness, and to turn from his wicked ways. And this is where we need to get to with our attitudes sometimes. Our pride gone. The lesson learned yearning for God to take us back. So this son, he starts heading home and he's rehearsing in his head his proposition about being a servant, not being a son over and over. It's going through his head. Father, I've sinned against you. This is, I'm sorry. I'm not worthy. This is how it's going to play out. And, and, And I need you to get ready for what's next. Music team, will you please come? I need you to get ready 
because all of what we've seen so far is leading up to this moment in the story, right? The son's pride, our pride, the sinful separation from the father, the painful realization of all this is leading up to the part that I really want us to grab hold of this morning. Verse 20 tells us that while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. And he embraced his son. And he kissed his son. And I can imagine that the son is is just standing there in complete shock. Like, he didn't question me. He didn't yell at me. Am I really going to be forgiven without any restitution? Am I being accepted back so freely? That can't be what's happening here. And in his father's embrace, not knowing what to do, he starts reciting his proposition to become a servant. Father, I've sinned against you, but his father interrupts him. Shh, stop. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. Quick, everyone, my son that was lost to me, he's back. He's back. We're going to party. Rejoice with me. My son who was lost, he is back. Can you feel it? Can you feel the heart of the father, the love, the desire for his son? Now, the picture you have in your head right now is is a powerful illustration of our heavenly father's love for us. But I believe that there's a part in the story that we don't get to see that actually shows the heart of the father even better. Okay, back to verse 20 again. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now, have you ever wondered how did he see him coming from a long way off? I'm gonna tell you how. He was looking for him. The father never stopped looking for him. He was longing day after day for his son to come home. He couldn't get his mind off his lost son, the son he loved so much, the son he knew that was hurting, the son he knew was moving toward destruction. He couldn't help but look down that driveway every time he walked to and from the house, every time he stepped onto his front step. Just before he would open the door, he would turn around and stand there for a long minute and look and stare down that driveway, hoping his son's head would start bobbing over the hill. He would strain his eyes for minutes, just waiting, hoping, and then tears would start to fall day after day after day that the son didn't come home. And he would walk in the door and he would quickly run to the bay window and look down the driveway again for another minute, hoping, begging for his son in his mind to come home. Please, son, just come home. Hoping that this would be the time his searching would pay off. Afraid that he walked away from that window for even a moment. That he would miss the return of the most precious thing in the entire world to him. This is how the father saw him coming from a long way off. This is the heart of the father. He is always seeking us. Always longing to be closer. Always begging us to come to him. And even when we don't think we deserve to be his son or his daughter... Even when we think we should be punished and demoted to the title of servant or worse, the father calls us his own, his child. Now there are some of you hearing this story today. Maybe you are like this lost son. You've walked away from your heavenly father. Right now, neither the reason you walked away or what you've done since you've walked away matters at all. All right? All that matters right now is that the Father wants you back. Man, he's 
He's been searching for you. He's never stopped looking for you. He's been hoping and yearning day after day that you would come back to him. He hasn't been able to get his mind off of the child that has, has been lost to him, the child that he loves so much, the child he knew was hurting, the child he knew was heading toward destruction. And he's begging you right now. He's begging you to come home. Please, child, come home, hoping that this would be the time that his seeking pays off, hoping that this day would mark the return of the most precious thing in the entire world to him. And God is running to you right now with his arms wide open. He has seen you far off. And you might be in complete shock by God's re response. You might be thinking, he's not going to question me. He's not going to yell at me. Can I really be forgiven without any restitution? Can I really be accepted back so freely? And right now, in your father's embrace, not knowing what to do, you may be reciting, start reciting the excuses or the reasons for everything that you've done, everything that has happened. But your father is interrupting your thoughts right now. And he's saying, come to me. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate you coming home into this family. Can you feel it? Can you feel the heart of the father for you right now? The love, the desire he has for you right now. And he is offering you a way back to him. You see, Jesus came and died so that we could be forgiven without any punishment, without any shame. All you have to do is believe in him and follow him. And so here's the question, and I'd like every person to bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment of privacy and reflection. If you have never asked Jesus to forgive you, and you've never made him the Lord of your life, and you want to do that today, or maybe you've walked away from him and you want to come back to him today and start living for him because you know that he loves you. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand for a moment so I can pray with you. You say, that's me. I want to come back to the Father today. Yes, thank you. Anybody else that says, that's me, I need to come back to my Father who loves me. If you're online right now, you can do the same thing. You can respond by clicking on a button or responding. We want to know. Anybody else that I can pray for this morning? Here's what I want to do. I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud with me. And, I, and if you raise your hand, if you're responding today, maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but in your heart, you know this is what you need to do. I want you to pray this prayer with all of your heart. Mean it. And if, if, if you've made this commitment to Jesus already, I want you to pray this with me. So everybody pray along with me. Pray, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you, my heavenly father. And we pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, do you know what's happening right now? Do you know what's happening? Our father is in heaven saying this to everybody, rejoice with me, my child is home. Let's celebrate that because that's what they're doing in heaven right now. Now, one last thing before we go. Maybe you don't feel lost. Maybe you know God. Maybe you love God. That's awesome. But as we said, God always wants us closer to him. And today, God might be calling you to another level of relationship. Maybe he's even speaking to you like the father in our story speaks to the older brother. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was an older brother, wasn't there? What happened there? Well, after the father tells everyone that he's going to throw a party for this younger brother who was lost, and is returned, the older brother is like, hold on, wait, what? You're gonna celebrate this delinquent? 
this, I've been here the whole time being a good boy and, not, and, and now you're going to spend all this time and money and, and celebrate this punk? And the father's response is basically this. You have seen me searching for your brother. You have seen it. You know how much I love him. You know how much I've wanted him back. You've seen my heart for the one that was lost. I want you to have that heart for your brother too that is lost. And so God, help us to know your heart more and more every single day. Help us to know how much you love us and how much you love your lost children all around us. And not only do we want to know your heart, we want our heart to become more and more like yours. Help us to have the love that you have for those that are lost. We will never completely know know you or we will never completely know the love you have for your children. But help us to know you more and more every day and become more and more like you every day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen.